Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, John Helmkamp, John Helmkamp, and John Helmkamp. <laughs> oh my gosh. Welcome in, everyone, to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. And this is Matthew Betts. This is Matt Okada. But we also have John Helmkamp, <laughs> in case you might have missed the intro. Oh, man. We now officially have John Helmkamp's name in the intro. And, you know, boys, we got to we gotta peel back the curtain for the listeners. Um, <laughs> man, we have been trying to get started here for like 15 minutes. Literally and it has taken forever. Than. We have been Woo! off. Our sync has been off. Okada lost audio for a second. <laughs> then no one started their recording on the right time. Like, we were just completely... <laughs> And utterly in for oh. an entire mess of an episode tonight. So we're happy you're with us. Uh, but also, peeling back the curtain, we've been trying to get John's name in our intro as, since he joined the podcast literally for like a month and a half. And True. this guy that we got to do it sends over the worst audio file you will <laughs> ever hear. And in doing so, we said, no way, man. Send that back. We're paying for this. Send it back in a good way. He sends back every possible scenario every possible way pronounce john's name we have them all in a file uh, 41 different ways to say john helmkamp so we decided you know what let's take okada out let's take myself out tonight john helmkamp is the podcast so with that john what is up man um i didn't know that we were just gonna catch up on every episode that i've been on where my name was not used all in one sitting so that was uh, hilarious to me. I, I need to hear the full <laughs> 41. Um, man, that's funny. I'm going to have to like go through and pick and choose like which one I want you guys to, to use. But yeah, other than that, I'm doing good. It's uh, it's quarantine life and some takeout Olive Garden for, for Din Din after this. And, and that's, nice. that's about it. That's, that's the move. What Olive Garden the, right now. Um, so Olive Garden is doing a... Um, buy one and take one to go right now. So it's twelve ninety nine for all the listeners. You get two full entrees, breadsticks, and a big salad for twelve ninety nine. Not a they're sponsor. Just, yeah, not a sponsor. Not paid. Um, they're just trying to also, help out. Please sponsor. Yeah, please. Olive Garden. <laughs> by all means, come on. Um, I will eat a breadstick on every show if you're a sponsor. But it's uh, <laughs> it's a it's a really great deal. And right now, with everyone trying to you know stay in not deplete your stockpile of food it's a it's a good option to to go get some grub definitely um okada i am now officially hungry how are you (laughs) uh hello hungry i'm matt um i'm doing pretty good yes (laughs) Uh, um yeah listen man i don't even know what's (laughs) happening anymore i don't know what day of the week it is Uh, everything is crazy (laughs) Saturday was more of a work day than any other day of the week because of our stream, which was insane. Ooh, that was thank you, baby, to anyone who showed up. Um, yeah, that what was a awesome. time. But uh, yeah, what a time! Crazy. That was absurd. Just the uh, the caliber had... of people that we had on was otherworldly. I-, I can't thank them enough for taking the time. All of them. I think we've reached out individually to every single one of them to make sure that we thank them. But it was just an incredible day. Yeah, that was a day for the ages, I will say. We had uh, Colleen Wolf. We had Scott Hansen do a live witching hour. Uh, 
read on the pod, or not read, I should say, but like a, a live, this is the witching hour uh, memo, if you will, which do was you, fantastic. Do you want to had... call my phone? <laughs> do you... John has legitimately should set up should we let the listeners? Should we let the listeners know? Okay, I'm As pulling up your number Scott right now. Scott Hansen reading I'm his calling it intro. Right now. Oh boy. Ladies and gentlemen, eight games going on across the National Football League right now. Six of them, one possession games in Chicago, in Atlanta, in Philadelphia, in Los Angeles, and in Dallas. One possession games. They're all in the fourth quarter. We have reached the witching hour. It's Ladies so good. It's just, you know, it's, it's absolute perfection. I think I'm going to have to look into whether that actual scenario has ever been a thing. Because if it has, that would make it even more incredible. If what has oh, ever yeah. been. Oh, those like exact those, teams? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet you it's I bet you it's happened. Okay, NFL Research Department. Will you get yeah. on that? Um, I will let me so. know. We'll, we'll run it down yeah. for all the teams that he mentioned. And the great thing is, he says LA, and you've got a few options. So mm, That helps. That's true. It does help. Yeah. We had a day. Cynthia Freeland also on with us. Of course, our friends, uh, the Mad Jukes. We had Stepmom Lauren. We had Nate Hamilton. Um, man, Derek Brown, Debra, Rich yep. Dotson from Dynasty Nerds. We had anyone and everyone on this podcast. And it was five and a half hours of glorious fun just to like distract ourselves from quarantine life. And uh, man, it was fantastic. So if you missed it, please go back and check it out. It is on YouTube uh, with everything on there that you need for a timestamp as far as yes. where each guest is. So check that out. Okada put in work behind the scenes to make sure you guys all had that information all right guys we have a lot to get to tonight let's go ahead and break down bets buddy the... you look you look awful man we you are why like, what's wrong your screen is okay. like four pixels first of all it just needs to be noted that we came into Hold this on. podcast with the giggles so anything that happens is funnier than it should be and so Betts' camera on the live stream looks absolutely terrible. Oh, it does not look good. It does not look good. So I just texted Betts in our Retro's group chat. Your video is <laughs> major doo-doo. I literally can't even see you. You look like a like a fart. <laughs> <laughs> is that better or worse? It's terrible. <laughs> You're Oh my god. How are we ever How are we ever supposed to release this as a show? Oh my gosh. Oh man. What is so bad about it? It's terrible. You're so fuzzy. I can't see anything. You're like four you pixels. Yeah, Your entire it and then plug it back pixels. in or something. Oh my gosh. Four, it's four pixels. It's not a It's not a plug in. It's my iMac. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Okay, wow. maybe it's the internet problem. I'm sorry to all the podcast listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, but Betts looks awful right now. I, I just, Can I don't you know take a picture you. of me and send it yeah, to me? Yeah, right, I will we'll, do that right now. And we'll deal with that later. Let's uh, let's get back on the rails a little bit. <laughs> you know, people, this... people are here for football content, after all. Yeah, we'll get there in a sec, John. This is way more important. <laughs> okay. I care more about you want to know something insane? I have some crazy, insane what? news for you. The Yes. The camera takes a better picture of you than what we see with our eyeballs. Wow. Like, I think maybe you're, it's like a really fast rate of crap, and the camera just catches it within a rate that looks better. 
I'm gonna send it to you. Hold on, John, you see. can confirm. Tell me that he does not look more clear in that photo than he does in real life. Oh yeah, that looks like some straight ass. I'm looking on our Twitter page. That no, look that no. looks. The picture looks way better than what it looks like in real yeah. life. Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> that is so weird. It's pretty weird. Uh, should I exit out? Should I exit out and come back? <laughs> sure. In? No, uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. No one cares. You, no one needs to see your face. It's not that good to look at it. Yes, I mean. The face for radio. That's why oh, we have a podcast. Jesus. True, true. This podcast is... I don't even know if we're going to release this part. I have no oh, idea we are. even No, happening. no, no. No, this is getting... <laughs> this is being released. Man, I just feel bad for everyone listening to the show being like, Oh, I found this cool podcast today. And they're like, <laughs> they go to listen to it. They're like, who are these three buffoons talking into a microphone? Oh. Uh, yes, that is us. The Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, boys, we are eight minutes in and have not said anything about football. <laughs> nope. Should we talk football? Well, I guess. Do you, I mean, at this point, do we even bother? Yeah, we should. Um, there okay, has been some it. actual things that have happened that we need to talk about. We'll get into it. Yep. All right, boys, we have some free agency signings actually taking place, and it took forever to get any wide receivers signed this free agency period for whatever reason, unless your name was Randall Cobb. We have sure. two signings for players that are – Uninspiring, I think, at this point. Robbie Anderson signs a two-year, $20 million deal with the Carolina Panthers, and he was a guy that I feel like everyone was hyped about coming into free agency, think, seeing where he would go. Obviously, the Eagles were linked to him a bunch. Um, and, man, I feel like landing in Carolina, while it makes sense given the, the previous connection at Temple with Matt Rule, is not super encouraging for a guy like Robbie and a quarterback like Teddy B. Um, I don't know who you're talking about, uh, this Teddy B person bet, but the quarterback of the Panthers is clearly PJ Walker. Uh, no, it's not. Oh, let's no, go. It's not. Let's go. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It is not. However, it is worth noting that Matt Rule is out of control with his Temple signings. He has signed oh. four Temple players, including PJ Walker from the XFL and Robbie Anderson. You so... want to know what he's doing? He's going full Chip Kelly. And like yes. bringing when Chip Kelly brought all of his Oregon boys yes. to the Eagles, that's what Matt and we Rule's all doing saw right how now. that worked out. Which was yeah, it's great. concerning. Um, yeah, that wasn't good. But yeah, <laughs> more realistically speaking, I don't think this is great for Robbie Anderson. Um, yep. Teddy Bridgewater is, I would not say, a deep ball connoisseur by no. any means. Um. <laughs> This offense nope. uh, last year was a bit wild. Obviously, lots of different quarterbacks running around and doing different things. Kyle Allen flinging the ball, to be honest. Teddy Bridgewater, I don't think he's going to do much of that. I think it's going to be an offense that's predicated on the run game and the short passing game with Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore. And I don't necessarily see a great place for Robbie Anderson. I don't think it's going to be a place where he gets 80-plus targets. And if he doesn't... You know, he's going to break several big plays throughout the season. Yes, maybe have five touchdowns again, but he's not going to be a wide receiver two for you. So I think it's a little bit of disappointment. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Um, it's one of those things that makes more sense for, you know, real football than it does for fantasy. Um, they have DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, and then it falls off pretty steep after that uh, on their depth chart. So. You two chuckleheads, you just get get it get it together. Get it, just lock it up. 
Um, so I think it makes sense uh, for them to to bring him in. Um, I think it's a it's a really logical signing, and he knows Matt Rule and knows the system and all that. But yeah, I'm kind of curious, like who's the odd man out gonna be, or is it just gonna be like more mediocre performance out of everyone involved? Like, is someone gonna get left out of the equation? Is it gonna be Curtis Samuel that gets you know left out like completely? Um, does this mean less receptions for Christian McCaffrey than what we're uh, used to seeing? Uh, New um, England fan 34 in the chat just brought up uh, Ian Thomas as well. Yeah, exactly. Let's put um, that up on the screen. It's it's going to be interesting. There's there's a, all of a sudden there's a lot of parts to this offense. DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, Ian Thomas, Christian McCaffrey. Um, not feeding, in that order. Not in that Christian order. McCaffrey number was, one probably. Yeah, absolutely. Christian McCaffrey is the first read. DJ Moore is the second. And then after that, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that's mm -hmm. going to look like. So I think valuing um, those other three guys in that offense is is a bit tricky because it's a new coach, new system, new everything. I I, I don't know. It's it's tough to put a value on, on those three guys. Yeah, and the tricky part about it is just the, the target distribution of last season went CMC 142, DJ Moore 135, Curtis Samuel 105. And so, you know, the the wide receivers there, it was a relatively not not even split. Obviously, DJ Moore had a bunch more, but uh, you look at the other ancillary pieces and it was just a bunch of dudes that had a few targets apiece. And so how is that going to get distributed with Robbie Anderson? I have no idea. I think week to week, we're not going to know who the wide receiver that you wanted to start was outside of more consistent play from DJ Morris. So I'm super bummed as a Curtis Samuel fan. I bought him a, a bunch of Dynasty this offseason. Now, typically when we have a conversation that sounds like this, the next logical step that we're supposed to make is, does this mean we should be more interested in the quarterback? Because he's yeah. got a lot of interesting weapons. Is Teddy Bridgewater potentially a high-end QB2 in consideration? Listen, I, 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 yeah, I had him as QB2 firmly before this and this is just one more weapon at his disposal um it's kind of like it's kind of like the arizona cardinals situation right where they bring in deandre hopkins it kind of hurts the value of all the wide receivers involved but it's great for the quarterback it's similar to that we bring in robbie anderson it's it's one more weapon um that he has i i'm in on on teddy bridgewater i'm not saying he's going to be a qb1 let's not get crazy but he should be in super flex. If you want to wait to grab your second quarterback, he's a great value uh, to scoop up for that number two quarterback on your roster. Or I would like three. to hear, I would like to hear how in you are on him. So Teddy Bridgewater or Sam Darnold. Who just lost Robbie Anderson. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater or Jared Goff. Goff. Teddy Bridgewater or Daniel Jones? Daniel Jones. Okay. Yes, good good choice. Yeah, so he's somewhere That's in the mid-range of QB2s, potentially. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. I mean, listen, too, like, we're not even talking about the system, right, with Joe Brady coming in and what he did uh, with LSU and the Saints as the passing game coordinator. Right. So uh, it's, it's all good news for the team. It's just a matter of do we want – do we want the ancillary pieces there? It's going to be hard to tell until we see it on the field, I think, personally. But regardless, it is very, very encouraging for Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's going to be a solid 
Superflex option, no doubt about it, and certainly a guy we'll talk about as a streamer in redraft leagues. The other signing that came up, and this was um, something that John and I were talking about a little bit before we started recording, was the Brashad Perryman signing in New York with the Jets. Now, Okada, I'm not sure if you play Dynasty or not. I think you do. Mm. Would you ever consider trading away Brashad Perryman, let's say like a first-round pick in 2021, for a guy like Allen Robinson in a 2021 third? Would you ever do that? I mean, I would probably do that pretty quickly, Bets. I don't know. You would try to get Allen Robinson? I would go for Allen Robinson, yeah. Yeah, I would too. Boom, roasted. <laughs> John, John and I made that exact trade uh, a few weeks ago, and I can't fault him for it because honestly, if Perryman had signed anywhere else, I just it's it's I just even trade, and he got screwed. I got hosed <laughs> by this signing. Um, I, it's not good. The Jets, like literally, the one place I didn't want him to go. And you have other teams with high-powered offenses that have needs at wide receiver. The Eagles, the Packers would have been fantastic. Like, there are other options available. The Raiders could have used another wide receiver. Um, New England could have used another wide receiver. There's so many places where he could have landed and given you great, like, wide receiver two value. And he goes to the Jets with Adam Gase, the killer of fantasy production. I'm just not thrilled. I'm holding. I, I'm at this point. It's like, well, I, I've already got him, so we'll just see how this. Ex- you have to hold. You got to hold. We'll just see how this experiment plays out. He is like the kind of de facto wide receiver one there. Um, maybe they can get it together until they draft Jerry Judy, and then Robbie, or and then Brashad Perryman becomes the two. Um, I don't know. It, it's there's still a lot of moving pieces, so I'm just. Strapped into the roller coaster at this point. We'll see what happens. Now, I, I will throw something out there, John. All right? I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, pander to you or anything, but the Brashad Perryman that we saw at the end of 2019, which was insane, by the way. I don't know what got into him, but I just pulled up his numbers really quick. Oh, Last crazy. five games of 2019, his full season pace in those five games was 80 catches for 1,600 yards and 16 touchdowns. So, I don't know what got into him, but he's out of control. However, that was with James Winston at the helm of a Buccaneers offense that was, as we all know, extremely productive. Yep. It had recently changed into a Tom Brady offense that we had talked about very likely not being the same for even Mm -hmm. the top two receiving options on that team, let alone the third option, which would be Perryman. Now he goes to a place where he's probably maybe not the target one because Crowder probably is that. Um but certainly is more of the de facto type uh, wide receiver one and should get maybe more targets than he would have gotten in Tampa Bay. And there's potentially an argument to be made that Darnold has more of an, I don't want to say more of an arm, but more in the tank than Tom Brady does. Maybe this isn't even too bad for him in Dynasty. I don't know, man. I mean, we're looking at, what, year five? Year, what is this, year five, year six? I don't even know. Something like that. Rashad Perryman, who did little to nothing with those five or six games <clears throat> that you were referencing there, Okada. Yes. I mean, at this point, for a player like that, you just have to, you have to look at the overall trend. And yes, it was encouraging to what we saw last year. And if he would have landed somewhere else where there was money spent to get him, I would be like, okay, maybe there is something that we were just too low on but i mean nfl teams are right more than they're wrong and there's a reason he signed for one year eight mil and nothing else so 
you know, it's it's tough out there for <clears throat> a, a player like that who needed a big payday to really make himself more relevant. No. But we'll see. He'll have every opportunity to get the ball and to get targets in that offense. Now, I, I, I will say that while Betts wants to absolutely roast me on this trade, I did flip his <laughs> first round pick and some other assets yeah, into to in there, Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> so I think Crispy. I'm still doing okay. Yeah, we will see at the end of the year. To be determined. Uh, all right, guys. Last little bit of news here. Jacksonville Jaguars and Tyler Eifert are close to finalizing a deal to bring him in. I mean, guys, Why? I feel like every year we talk about it, and it's if he can stay healthy, maybe this is the year. Anything more to add for a guy like that? Nope. Yeah, not really. We've also been looking for okay. a, a tight end answer in Jacksonville since... Julius Thomas. Julius Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. Julius Thomas. Yeah. I mean, so this is a couple yeah. dead narratives smack marrying together into a very dead, <laughs> non-existent fantasy asset, as far as I'm concerned. So you're not saying it makes them more alive? No. Two negatives dead. in this case do not make a positive <laughs> bet. <laughs> yep. Fair enough. Hey man, I can't, uh, I can't fault you for thinking that way. It's just been, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. Uh, shame on me again and pull me three times. Get the hell out yeah, of here, but it's, Tyler. It's been like five years. Like it's been yeah, you're so right. long since he had like the right. one you're good right. season. Yeah. He's yeah, he's reached um what I call the Josh Gordon tier of no no, which is like every you know, like with Keenan Allen, we had multiple years of crap to deal with before he finally stopped getting injured and broke out into what he was supposed to be. And Betts will tell you it's because he was never really injury prone. Mm -hmm. You do want to wait yep. sometimes for these guys to maybe come out of these funks and suddenly be very valuable assets, especially valuable because you got them at a cheap price when they were all injured and messed up. But when you reach the Josh Gordon tier, that's a tier where, listen, you've used up all your nine lives. You don't get to be on my fantasy team anymore. And Tyler Eifert has reached that tier, unfortunately. Yeah, you just move on and... <laughs> You know, mail it in at that point. If if uh, by right, some chance, if by some chance, he's on someone else's roster in your league and he ends up putting it together and hitting, then you just clap and them. say congratulations, yes. happy for yep. you. Yep. That's great, but it's not a gamble I'm taking. Big facts. Yeah. Yep. Other uninspiring signings that we're not even going to talk about. I'm just going to mention them and then we're going to move on. Peyton Barber signing with Washington. Mm. Philip Dorsett signs with hey, Seattle. Hey, 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 hey. Devin Bunches. Philip Dorsett what? in Seattle, I actually like. John is wants it? to talk about the Seahawks oh. signing. What a surprise. Shocking development. This is a shock. Um, <laughs> breaking, breaking news, news live on John the show. John likes the Seahawks. But I like it. It's a speed, deep threat in that offense. You know how him and DK Metcalf, that can burn and take the top off an offense, Tyler Lockett might have a little bit more room to work underneath. Um, in that offense. So I think that it's good for Lockett's value um, and potentially whatever tight end they decide to roll out, Greg Olson, you know, big Montana season, whatever, whoever they decide to get back and get healthy and put in there. Um, I think it does good things for their offense if they decide to let Russell Wilson throw the ball um, and open it up. So it's going to come down to play calling and scheme, but <laughs> I, I like it in theory as a signing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is – it seems, and I don't want to put any assumptions on Pete Carroll because he typically manages to ruin this seeming, 
But it seems that they're actually building like they might cut R Russell Wilson loose in 2020 because they have not gotten out and ha! got a running back. Just kidding. And they have gone out and gotten pass catchers. However, I mean, it, it's the Seahawks. So and then the, and then they'll take a running back at the back of the first round and they'll go right back to smashing the ball into yeah. the defense's face. Let Russ cook. Oh yeah, please. Oh, it needs to happen. I mean, imagine how many years like they've wasted just not letting him be him. It, it's it's ridiculous. Well, when did they lose? Uh, last signing, lose and the this is my. What's when that? Did they lose to the Patriots, Okada. What year was 2014. that? Twenty fourteen. Yeah, yep. so yeah. six years. You're right. The last six years yeah. of Russell Wilson. Yep. Uh, last uninspiring signing, my favorite player in the NFL, Devin Funches signs with the Packers. Do we care? Devin Funch who? Is this a family show still? Or um, is, uh, I feel like this is a PG-13 name at, at highest. Might even be a PG name the way things are going these days. Yeah, in our early episodes uh, in the first season, I... I made Devin Funches, Devin Funch ass, and I got yelled at by Okada and Kent at the time because they said, dude, what are you doing? We're trying to keep this a family show. And I said, I don't care. He's he's not good, man. Listen, he's not good. That was back in the uh, 2010s, Vets. Children were different then, okay? This is the 2020s. Oh, you're right. They're tough nowadays. Yeah, yeah that's, I mean, those three signings, uh, yeah, uninspiring. But, fellas, we got to move on. We're going to talk 2019 rookies. We are wrapping up with the wide receivers and tight ends. Before we do, I want to let everyone know about our sponsor of today's show. Guys, it's tough. Everyone's in quarantine. You can't really go to the gym and work out anymore the way you want to. But fortunately, our sponsor has you covered. TinyWhiteboardWorkouts.com is the place to go to look for a program to follow at home. My friend John is a personal trainer uh, and a really, really good one at that. He has designed an entire program that you can do from home and right now, because financially times are hard for a lot of people, he's offering a buy one month, get a second month free of personal training, again, right from your house, minimal equipment, everything you need to stay fit during these awkward and weird times for everyone. So check it out, tinywhiteboardworkouts.com. You can also find him on Instagram, at tinywhiteboardworkouts. All right, fellas, we are moving on to the 2019 rookie class, recapping the year that was and talking about what is to expect here in year two for these players. Now, if you missed our uh, last episode, or two episodes ago, I should say, episode 119, there was no Okada. Uh, therefore, there was much more focus on the podcast. But John and I talked about the running backs. Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Devin Singletary, David Montgomery, etc. We also hit on the quarterbacks. Gardner Minshew, uh, Daniel Jones. I mean, we hit on everyone. Kyler Murray, of course. And then we also talked about the big name wide receivers, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, um, AJ Brown. It was a jam-packed show. So if you missed any of that, go back, listen to episode 119. On tonight's show, though, we're going to kick it off with a wide receiver who was drafted very early in rookie drafts, a wide receiver who is a disappointment, I think, at this point in his career because we saw him do nothing. He is a New England Patriot. That is Nikhil Harry. Fellas, what is the temperature on Nikhil Harry after a very down year in year one? I'll let the Patriot fan talk. <clears throat> the temperature from a dynasty perspective is lukewarm, but that's not too bad considering how ice cold he was towards the end of last season when he had done diddly squat. Uh, didn't even play for more than half the season. He ended up playing seven games and played in their one playoff game where he actually got seven targets. 
but didn't really do anything with them. Um, listen, the narrative out of New England was that this guy could not learn the offense, which is very unfortunate. But it's also something that we've heard in New England quite a bit. It's a tough offense to learn. Bill Belichick is very taxing. Tom Brady is very taxing. Tom Brady's not the quarterback in New England anymore. We don't know who the quarterback in New England is anymore. That's a whole question mark. A big fat one. It's very large. It looks like the number 12. And it is empty and black and sad. Um, but until we get an answer, it's really hard to say for Nikhil Harry what to expect. I think it could definitely go up from here. He was an extremely talented prospect. I know I loved him. I think we all did uh, on the pod. And he has a lot of upside. But he has to have learned the offense. Or, unless the offense changes, in which case he has to relearn it. And we have to hope that he gets a decent quarterback and isn't stuck with the shell of Brian Hoyer or an attempt at Jarrett Stidham or something like that. Yeah, I think there's so many question marks and moving pieces um, around that right now. Um, I don't know what I would do. If I don't have him on a team, I might put out a feeler and see if you can buy him on the cheap. He was a really, really talented prospect coming out. Um, it might be a good time to try and buy him cheap because they could address that quarterback situation quickly. Um, but, you know... Wide receivers are, um, they're more of a long-term investment when you're taking a rookie wide receiver. This is not, you know, you don't expect them to come in and be a wide receiver one in fantasy in their rookie year. It rarely happens. So if you want to go out and try and buy Nikhil Harry at a reasonable price, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Could, could you get him for a mid to late second? Do you think that would get it done? I think that's yeah. Fair. I was going to ask if you could get him for a third in some leagues, you which might I be think would have been cheap. Yeah. Mid to late second is probably what's fair, and I think I might be willing to pay it. Yeah, I would do that and then stash him, and you know, you see what happens over the next couple of years with the quarterback situation there and stuff like that. It, it takes time. I mean, you're generally looking at like a year three breakout, you know, in the NFL for a really talented prospect. So if you're buying him, you're you're buying him for the long play. It's not something where you expect him to step in this year and be a huge contributor on your team. Yeah, and you mentioned just like overall, like expecting a lot in year one isn't the norm. You know, like I feel like as, as Dynasty players, we got so used to these rookie wide receivers coming in. And even last year, right? Like AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, these guys came in and just set the world on fire. And it just isn't the norm. So it's okay that players don't produce a ton in year one. Of course, I would have loved to see more than just 12 receptions right. for a guy like Nikhil Harry. But he had the, the college production profile. He had the athletic profile. I'm still in on this guy if they can get the quarterback situation figured out. And that's where you have to take the risk is do you think New England has a plan in place? And if there's any team that does, it is New England. So I'm in on Nikhil Harry. If you can get him for a late second, I'm buying at that price all day. Next player on the list is a guy that I feel like it's no respect. He gets no respect. He gets no respect. What the, was that? Not Akil Harry. You don't know that clip? No, I know the clip. What was your interpretation of the clip? That was awful. <laughs> oh, boom, Rosie. Is it not good? All right, let me hear it. You go no, ahead. Let me no, hear it. I, I, I know oh, my limitations. Oh, he's not even going to do no, it. No, I know my limitations. He's not even going to do it. 
I am He's well aware gonna do it. that wow. I can't. That sounds do like a guy it. that would trade Prashad Perryman Whoa. for Allen Robinson. Sounds like a guy that has Patrick Mahomes. Sounds like a guy that has. It sounds like a guy that has Pat Mahomes and CMC on the same dynasty roster. So, mm. oh my we'll, god, we'll go with that. John roster baiting all oh. the show. Love yes. it. Uh, anyway, I was gonna say Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry. <laughs> Hunter Renfro. Oh, I'm a Renfro. Gets no respect as a player. I'm I'm shook, and I think it's because of the camera, man. Facts. <laughs> I keep it's awful. I keep looking so up at the bad. screen, and I look normal. Betts is used to looking in, reality, in the mirror, like taking a moment to admire, you know, doing a couple flexes. Right now, he just looks like crap, so it's throwing him off. Yeah, and you know what else is bad is I am terrified of what's going to happen. Vermont just got put on uh, stay in your house lockdown. Oh, really? Haircuts are going to be. Oh yeah. Oh. Oof. Haircuts. It is, is going to be. It's going to be grizzly. It is going to be hat. I season. didn't even grizzly. think about haircuts. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Hat season in full clone mode cut here my on the Richards pod. Luckily, I got, yep. I got my barber's phone number, and we're going to start doing some mobile cuts. So we'll, we'll mobile see what There you go. <laughs> I'm going to just go for a buzz cut, guys. It's coming off. Oh, please. Do it, it might have to happen. Anyways. Anyway. Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro. Whoa. Wide receiver, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, guys, actually pretty productive last year. Um, not really like a, a flashy player by any means. But, you know, he's productive and he's a PPR asset. I mean, looking at PFF's data, minimum of 150 snaps in the slot, minimum of 20 targets. He was third in the entire NFL in completion percentage for the quarterback when targeting the yep. slot. So it's encouraging. He's a very good wide receiver. Will he ever get the respect of a top tier wide receiver? No, and he probably doesn't, doesn't deserve it. But is he a very reliable flex wide receiver three in your fantasy roster? I think so. Yeah, I love Hunter Renfro. Um, he's someone that I'm targeting in all of my startups um, because right now his ADP is crazy low. I mean, I I don't have the number directly in front of me. I think it's like 14th round, like something like that. It's, it's absurdly low. It's wow. way too low. All he did in college was produce. I think that people, quite frankly don't like the fact that he's not built like DK Metcalf. Like he doesn't True. look like an athlete and he looks like Okada. He looks I'm, worse than me. At least I'm six foot two. <laughs> How right. tall is Hunter Renfro? Five think, one? I think you're taller than Renfro. And balding? Um, five one. <laughs> yeah. It's he doesn't get the respect, but he is gonna be a staple in that offense in the slot for a long time. He was very productive at Clemson. He was fantastic, has great hands. He doesn't drop passes. He's he's so talented. He's great at working routes. Like he knows how to set up defenders. He's not blazing fast. He's not super quick. He, he doesn't have those things, but he understands how to run routes and get out of breaks and set people, set up defenders, like getting leverage on them. And, and he just gets open. So Listen, sleep on him if you want to. He's only going to continue to get better. Had the same number of touchdowns as Odell Beckham Jr. last year with four. And it's going to go up from here. That's it's wild. going to continue to increase. And he's going to be, you know, a stud slot receiver in this league. I like him a lot. Okay. Yeah. And that's just a depressing stat because I don't know about you, John, but last year Okada and I sat down for the first time. We went through every player that is fantasy relevant even to like the wide receiver four wide receiver five projections and to hear that they both had the same number of touchdowns after spending so much time <laughs> trying to project the browns offense is uh discouraging to say the least yeah. but i think it speaks to you know 
not only the down season that the Browns had, but really how good of a player Hunter Renfro can be in the NFL. So I like him a lot. Question. Um, what would you guys buy him for in Dynasty? Ooh. Well, actually, let me ask my question first, and then I'll give you my answer based off the answer. Uh, okay. Hunter Renfro, higher or same or lower upside than Randall Cobb's career? Higher. I would say a little bit higher as okay, well. Okay, that's good because I was just I just pulled up Randall Cobb just to take a little quick look. See, he had one season where he had thirteen hundred yards and twelve touchdowns. It was crazy. Yeah. Every other year, he's been in the six to seven hundred yard range with four to six touchdowns, and that's like yeah, a PPR wide receiver three maybe, but that's not going to get me too excited. But if you tell me Hunter Renfro has a little bit more upside than that. Then I get a little bit more interested. I still don't think I'm going out and spending on him necessarily. I think the people who have him just kind of know what his value is, which is, eh, it's nice. But it's not something that's going to be breaking my bank. Well, he's the type of player that I feel like helps win your league without blowing up the rest of your roster. Like, mm. everyone loves making these trades for your these top-tier players and these top assets in Dynasty, but... No one gets super excited and like blown away in your league when they're like, "Oh crap, Hunter Hunter Renfro just got traded!" Like, what a crazy day in this league. No one like reacts that way. So he's a player that is going to provide more value to your fantasy and your dynasty roster than is perceived in your league. And for that reason, I might be willing to quote unquote overpay for him. I'm not saying give a first. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying give a ton to get him. But if someone's like, "Oh, he's a," I value him at a, a mid-second, then great, pay the mid-second. Like, he's going to produce, and he's going to produce for a long time. So it, it's a player that I think will get you more on your roster than it will uh, relative to what people perceive that type of, of player to get you. Yeah. One other player that is the exact opposite of Hunter Renfro that oozes with upside, Mikel Hardman, mm. uh, a speedster for the Chiefs, of, of course, came out of Georgia. He was supposed to take the Tyreek Hill role when that whole legal situation was playing out. Of course, Tyreek is now back on the roster. They have the Super Bowl champs. But Sammy Watkins, he may not be there very much longer. What are we thinking here for Michael Hardman? I'm thinking I don't hate having him on my roster, even if Sammy Watkins does stick around, get extended, whatever the options may be, which aren't necessarily looking great. You mentioned it. there's a decent possibility he gets cut at some point in the not-too-distant future for cat reasons. Um, but, yeah, I like the idea of having Michael Hardman on my roster. I think he has a lot of upside. He, I'm not going to say he has Tyree Kill upside, but he is certainly a similar player. You mentioned that's why they drafted him uh, it, for a very specific reason. And even if Tyreek is out there, this is an offense that has Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball. And Michael Hardman is a guy who can take the ball from anywhere on the field and score. So he is a guy who's very dangerous. And I'm willing to go out and get him probably... I think I would probably pay more than you guys would pay for Hunter Renfro. I don't know how much more, but I think he's a little bit more valuable to me. I think that's an interesting conversation on where value gets placed. Because to me, I see Hunter Renfro as being a much more stable asset. Sure. And I see McCole Hardman as being, you know, lightning in a can. And are we going to see consistent production from him? Or is he going to be the guy that has three catches for 120 yards and a touchdown one week, and then three catches for 
24 yards the the week after that. So it's interesting. His talent, he's got God-given speed. He burns on the field. Like you said, he, he's a threat from anywhere to house it. Um, and I think that's valuable, and we'll see how he continues to develop. I, I think that I would pay more for Renfro than I would pay for McCole Hardman. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Break the tie. Yeah, I feel like that's not conventional, John, but I like the the declaration there of confidence in a guy like Hunter Henfrew. I still would pay more for Mikkel Hardman, and it just comes down to the quarterback situation on the offense. I mean, I want the upside if I'm going to go give rookie picks to get production. Uh, I know Hunter Renfro is the more proven, not proven asset, but more of the safe. You know what you're going to get. You know what you're going to get. It's safe. Yeah, exactly. But I'll take Pat Mahomes, wide receiver, too. Uh, assuming that Sammy Watkins moves on and they've been talking about restructuring his deal. We'll see what happens. Obviously, they probably overpaid for a guy like that at this stage of his career. But if Mikkel Hardman on a rookie deal can stick around for three or four more years and be the wide receiver too in that offense, I would pay more to get him personally. All right, fellas, we're going to move on to the next one here. But before we do, it seems like John has other friends that he cares about more than us, Okada. So, well, it, uh, it took you all like half an hour to start this thing, so... <laughs> Yeah. Well, hey, someone was getting uh, breadsticks at Olive Garden. It's true. true. <laughs> they. This is how you know they're not a paid sponsor. Um, they lost my order yes. online, with, and I had a scheduled pickup, oh, and then no. I had to sit there for twenty five minutes waiting for them to to cook my food, and then run back home to to get this thing going. So, um, sorry that the scheduling conflict happened, and that these are overlapping. I'm gonna be splitting out here. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Let our listeners know where they can find you on another podcast. Yeah, I'm going to be going um, on the podcast uh, with Sam Holt. Um, the podcast uh, name is, what's the technical term? It's something debate. The Fantasy Debate Podcast um, is where uh, that's going to be hosted with Sam Holt. She's awesome. Um, I'm going to be hopping on there literally in like less than five minutes. Um, so if you want to watch a live stream and do that and then listen to this podcast tomorrow or vice versa or whatever you want to do, sounds great. So we love, um, sharing love with other people in the industry. She's, she's an awesome one. Definitely. All right, man. We will catch you cool. next time. Sounds good, guys. For the listeners, Okada and I are still here. We are moving on to our next wide receiver. Okada, let's talk about Hollywood Brown, Hollywood. a guy taking Hollywood early in the NFL draft, the first wide receiver of the class taken off the board to the Ravens, of course. And it just seemed like an up and down year that never really took off in full because of the fact that there was lingering foot concerns with the Liz Frank surgery. Of course, there was the ankle injury midway through the season that affected him for about a month. Are we seeing what he could be in the NFL or is last year, aside from injury, more of what we're going to expect? with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. Uh, well, first of all, Betts, I would just like for us to take a small victory lap on Marquise Brown. Oh, my goodness, your camera is fixed. Is it yes. fixed? It, it was, was John the whole time that, ruining you. That son of a gun. Um, I knew it was his fault. What was I saying? I'm distracted by your beautiful face. Oh, Marquise <laughs> Brown. We said going into the 2020 or going into the 2019 rookie drafts when everybody was talking about Marquise Brown being the number one, two, three, somewhere in the very top uh, of wide receivers, that we didn't trust it. We did not trust him. We did not trust the health. We did not trust the foot. We did not trust the fit in the offense. And we said, hell no. Hell no. 
He came out and <laughs> tried to prove us wrong, Betts. This was like the Sammy Watkins, Jason Moore situation. He came out and had 147 yards and <laughs> yes. two touchdowns in week one. Uh, and we thought, oh boy, we're going to look like idiots. And then he proceeded to do pretty much diddly squat for the rest of the year. And I'm not too surprised, honestly. We found out pretty quick that he doesn't really fit what the Ravens do, which is run the ball and have Lamar Jackson throw to tight ends, um, throw on intermediate routes, throw on crossers. He didn't do too much chucking the ball deep, which is Mark, what Marquise Brown obviously is going to excel at. And it didn't really work out for Marquise Brown in year one. Now, having said that, we just talked with Nikhil Harry about the fact that rookie wide receivers can take time to develop. It could be a year, year three breakout type of situation. So there still is plenty of room for upside here. My main question with Marquise Brown is, is his price what he came in at and what we saw flashes of? Or what he really was overall in year one, which was, I mean, not better than Hunter Renfro for sure. Certainly not better than Michael Hardman. Where does he fall? Yeah, that's a great question because, you know, well, first off, week one was against the Dolphins. So ha! if we take that Got out, him. If, we t if, we, yeah, if we take that out, like it was a down not down season because he was a rookie, but it was not what we thought he was going to be. And when I say we, I mean the fantasy community because, yes, Lamar Jackson improved. Yes, Lamar Jackson is an elite fantasy option, but he's still not a great passer. Mm. He's just not. It's Oof. not his top attribute. Can he improve? By all means, yes, he can. I'm not saying he can't, but let's not forget, like, Mark Andrews is still there. He's super productive. The offense wants to run, 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 and then run again. Mm. And I feel like he's just the type of player that for an NFL offense, it works better because the play action sets up so well and the run game is such a factor that the way I play fantasy is I don't want to rely on that deep 80-yard bomb to have to hit to make my week or have two for 12 yards. Like, I'd rather have, you know, a floor of four for 45 versus two for 12, given the upside that he does possess. So... I think he's the type of player that I'm not really ever going to own in Dynasty. And so for that reason, I'm probably not the right person to ask that question because I'm going to be lower than consensus. I would certainly take Mikkel Hardman over him. I would certainly take AJ Brown over him. I would definitely take Terry McLaurin. I would definitely take uh, DK Metcalf, uh, Debo Samuel. I would take all of those guys over Hollywood and probably even Deontay Johnson, who we'll talk Ooh. about here in a bit. I mean, he's he's like wide receiver seven in this class for me, maybe eight. Uh, I'm, I'm down overall, and I, it's just because I wasn't really high on him coming in. Yeah, I don't think I disagree with you there. I was kind of trying to get a temperature fr from the community at large, so maybe we can put this out on Twitter or something, or maybe someone in our chat has a good temperature on him to see what someone who isn't us, who never really even liked Marquise Brown coming in, is putting a, the price on him at. So someone who came in and drafted yeah. him high in their rookie draft, and now it has a guy that certainly flashed. I mean... To his credit, he had seven receiving touchdowns last year, which is not insignificant. But the yardage no. was not there. A after that one week one blow up, he had two games with 50 plus receiving yards. That is not good. Not good. So, <laughs> Okada would say. As I would say. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not something I feel like I can rely on. So maybe, you know, maybe you're a guy who did buy into him and. Uh, did draft him early and so you have him 
go out and sell them, in my opinion, if you can get someone who thinks that they can still pay that price that he that he had coming into the draft and, you know, get value on it. That would be my take. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's a, a great strategy. I would do that if I owned him. But because, as we mentioned, we were low yeah, on him coming into the season, we do not own a lot Zero of shares. Uh, shares in fantasy. Yeah, I don't own one either. I don't plan on buying either. All right, man. Next player, as we alluded to, Deontay Johnson, the rookie receptions leader mm. from last year's class for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And let's not just skip past no. that. That is a huge feat. When you talk about our boy, A.J. Brown, when you talk about Terry McLaurin, D.K. Metcalf, I mean, Debo Samuel, these names are future dynasty studs at the wide receiver position. And Deontay Johnson led that class in re receptions with mostly Mason Rudolph and mostly Duck Hodges. I mean, we can't just skip past that. That is a, a huge factor. I'm really encouraged by this kid coming out of Toledo. Uh, he was a guy that we talked about because of the fact that he was a kick returner was probably going to translate pretty well to being an explosive, dangerous athlete with the ball in his hands. And we saw that a bunch last year in his rookie season. Yeah, listen, Betts, this guy might be the most overlooked rookie in the entire class. Uh, it, over at the NFL Network, in our research department, we have a little pod where all the researchers sit. And every once in a while, someone will be doing research for some random thing, and then they'll stand up, and it'll be trivia question time. And we'll throw a trivia question to all the big wigs in the research department. We're talking about 15 guys whose job it is to know NFL stats. I discovered this stat. <laughs> which is not hard to discover, by the way, and ask the entire department who led the rookie uh, class in receptions. No one could guess it. 15 minutes, every rookie that they could think of was being named. They could not think of Deontay Johnson. It is incredible how overlooked he was. Not only did he lead all rookies with 59 catches, but he had 680 yards and five touchdowns. That is extremely respectable with a absolutely doo-doo group of quarterbacks. You just mentioned it. So now he's getting back Big Ben, yeah. who, granted, looks like even more of a doo-doo quarterback than these guys. Hopefully he shaves his beard and gets back in shape before the season. I expect him to. I think that the quarterback situation is going to be better in Pittsburgh next year than it was last year. So that's a step up. He's going to be taking another step forward, another season forward, has cemented himself certainly more than he was even at the beginning of the year because uh, there were, you know, there was a lot of talk after Juju as to who the next guy would be. James Washington there as well. Um, and Deontay Johnson really kind of kicked into gear more towards the end of the season. That's when he started to get eight targets, seven targets, nine targets, seven targets, that kind of production. I think that this could be a guy that is extremely valuable to go trade for right now. You can probably get him for, I, I would maybe say a late second. Certainly, I would think a mid-second. I don't think it would take a high second, and it certainly wouldn't take a first. But he might even be worth a late first at this point. So even if someone's out there selling him for a mid-second, I potentially would, well, I would pay that happily and potentially pay more. Yeah, this is the definition of a player who will you'll thank yourself for if someone asks you okay i'll take a i don't know a late first for him and you're in your head you're like man i think i could get him for a second pay the mm -hmm. first pay the late mm -hmm. first because you're going to thank yourself in two years he has shown like you said production with the quarterback play that was dreadful last year i mean we're talking about bottom of the league at that point and obviously big ben is back 
we're talking about a, a depth chart that is definitely wide open. I mean, James Washington is no, no sure thing. Juju, who we love, is still, he's down after last year. Maybe that was a quarterback play. But again, we're talking about Deontay Johnson produced with that quarterback mm-hmm. play. So it's it's a wide open depth chart. If you told me next year at this time, we're talking about Deontay Johnson as the leader in Pittsburgh Steeler receptions Ooh. over Juju, Ooh. I would not be shocked. I'm not going to pr- put that in my projections by any means, but I would not be shocked. Because it's so wide open and we just don't know. We haven't seen him with Big Ben. So I'm willing to pay that late first to get him. I think that's very fair. But I think his value right now in Dynasty is probably a mid-second. That me- For that reason, he is a screaming buy uh, in Dynasty. So I'm with you on that one for Deontay Johnson. The next player on the list here, um, we're going to switch over to tight ends, is Noah Fant. He is a player that we said last year coming into the, the rookie season for him if there was one tight end that was going to produce for our fantasy rosters because of the athletic upside, it was going to be Noah Fant. Of course, we saw him produce at times. He wasn't really a, a true fantasy asset because he was coming into his own. Of course, rookies don't really produce that often anyway at the tight end position. But there's a lot to love with Denver's offense and with the depth chart there. I mean, Cortland Sutton is a bona fide wide receiver one stud. But outside of that, I mean... Noah Fant could legitimately be the second option here in targets for Drew Locke in his second season. Yeah, this is a guy that I'm pretty excited about. Um, it's Last year's tight end class was interesting. There was a lot of debate as to who should be number one. Obviously, both Iowa guys were in up in the air. I think Noah Fant is going to be the guy when everything shakes out. Um, and I think he's going to be a guy that has top five tight end upside. At this point, when we're looking at tight ends, we're looking at guys who are athletic freaks. That is almost exclusively the case across the board for fantasy tight ends. Um, The days of Greg Olson and Jason Witten are fading and gone, and the days of George Kittle are here. So Noah Fant is the George Kittle mold, very much so, if not more so, in fact. He is a monstrosity, and we saw it translate... Uh, many times last year, he had some very productive games. He had a game, two games with over 110 receiving yards. He had a game with 10 targets that only translated into 60 yards, but still, a tight end who can draw 10 targets is a guy that you know you like to have on your roster. And uh, oh, we yeah. talked about, uh, or we have talked about many times, the connection between young, inexperienced quarterbacks and tight ends or big body receivers. It's it's good. It's good for them. Uh, it's good for the tight end. It's a good way to develop. And Drew Locke, I feel like, is going to be a guy who is willing to and prone to feeding Noah Fant. So I think he could be a pre-third-year breakout, which is what we typically put tight ends at. I think we could see him next year break out into uh, higher-end tight end one upside. And I think he could be a guy that we talk about in the elite tier within a couple years. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong in any of those statements. I mean, he definitely has the upside to do it. I think we need to see a little bit more from Drew Locke to make sure that that is a a connection that will work. And, of course, there's questions with Drew Locke. He only started a handful of games last year, but I'm encouraged by him. I mean, we've seen some success with Drew Locke in year one. We'll see what happens here in year two. But like you were saying, you know, just the athletic upside of Noah Fant is really, really encouraging, and he's got the draft capital to go with it as well. If you are sitting in your, uh, heading into your rookie draft, and you have the 108 and no tight ends, are you trading for Noah Fant? Are we talking 
Super we're flex? talking. Sure, Superflex. One oh one one oh nine in Superflex. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably hold okay. for a Superflex format in a one quarterback league. I think it's a lot more of an interesting conversation. I think I'd be willing to take the risk on a guy like Noah Fant, but in Superflex, I mean, you're talking about at least two, maybe three quarterbacks being there. And so in most seasons, that 108 or that 109 is way more valuable than it normally is. And in a class like this, you know, that's normally like a 102, 103 type of pick. So this 2020 class is loaded and we're doing some research on the site and on our YouTube page for that. So if you miss any of our profiles for the rookies, check that out. We'll have more there. But yeah, I think in that scenario, I would go with the rookie pick right. over fans. But I think it's a fair question. I think he's that's the right value for him. A guy who seemed like he was on the same path as Fant in terms of a rookie uh, exciting season was TJ Hawkinson. Unfortunately, he only did it in about, I don't know, one game <laughs> against the Cardinals. So week one, man, he came out and he exploded, played a few games, and then, of course, halfway through the year, suffered the high ankle sprain against the lions or excuse me against the uh who was it again on thanksgiving do you remember uh he played for the lions of course um not against I the lions not remember i gotta look that up because that's gonna bother me anyway on thanksgiving the vikings high ankle sprain of course cut his season short uh no the bears the bears okay the bears. bears and you know obviously we didn't see him the rest of the year after that so for TJ Hawkinson, I think we've seen him scratch the surface of what he could potentially be in a year or two, but hard to really speak to it because it was one game and then he was hurt. Yeah, we really got the uh, Marquise Brown treatment with TJ Hawkinson as well. Um, do you remember when Matthew Stafford went down? Uh, I have to look it up. It seemed like that was like a week nine. Yeah, I remember being around week around 10, which is kind of right before Hawkinson so we didn't really get to see much in that regard um, as to whether that had an effect or not. Listen, yep. Hawkinson is an Hawkinson is honestly pretty similar to Fant in the sense that he has that similar upside. I think he's much less likely to reach it at this point. Um, I think that he still could be a tight end one for a, a number of years. I think that he still could be that high end guy, high end tight end one. Uh, top five type guy is in the realm of possibility, but I'm not going to bet on it. I'm not putting my eggs in that basket as I don't know who says that would say. Um, as you yes, would say. I guess. So <laughs> if you give me the choice between Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson, it's not even close. I'm taking Noah Fant. If you give me the choice between Noah Fant and I don't know, an extra second round pick in TJ Hawkinson, I still might take Noah Fant. So I'm not super sold on TJ Hawkinson, but I don't know. Do you feel differently? So it's so hard because, you know, he was a guy that I think we had as a consensus tight end one in that 2019 class. And I don't want to, and maybe I'm wrong, but that's, I had him over Fant for a dynasty perspective. Mm -hmm. I don't want to lose sight of that because of course it's only one season, but that first year does tell you, a decent amount about a player's trajectory. We just talked about it with Nikhil Harry. You know, you want to see them do something in year one. And I feel like we got half the season taken away because of injury. And I'm looking back at his game logs, and maybe I'm misspeaking a little bit. It was actually uh, week 13 that he went out with injury. So we did see more of Jackson than I thought we did. So, yeah, I think that's probably fair to say. 
I don't know that I'm out on TJ Hawkinson. I just don't think that we know what we're going to get out of a guy like that. Um, given what we saw in the first year. Um, can you or can you not explain to me, Betts, how in his last game he got 11 targets, 6 catches, and only 18 receiving yards? I, I was just looking <laughs> what at, do you at mean? that and I have no idea. <laughs> idea. Literally, was he like, he caught like one pass for like 20 yards and the rest of me just like caught behind Apparently. the last scrimmage. Like, I don't know. That is wild. <laughs> that is not good. Oh, God. Uh, I also remember watching that game because, you know what? It was cold as hell on that day in Vermont. It was also a terrible game to watch yes. <laughs> in entertainment I remember perspective. That. Because I think it was David yeah, Blau, blah, blah. Uh, starting, blah, blah. And uh, who was the backup for Chicago? It wasn't Mitch. He was uh, hurt. Was it Chase Daniel? It was yeah. Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel, yeah. So ugh, Thanksgiving football at 1230 on the East Coast was not great that day, I recall. Crash. Last player on the list here, Okada, and then we can close out the show. Irv Smith Jr., who is a guy that I liked coming out of Alabama. He was a guy that I thought was going to get a chance to succeed right away. And then the Vikings re-signed Kyle Rudolph. He's still there for, I think, two more years on his deal. That's Kyle Rudolph. Irv Smith, is he just a guy that's going to have to wait behind Rudolph? Do we think he'll overtake Rudolph on the depth chart? What are your thoughts there in Minnesota? So I just pulled up uh, Rudolph's uh contract bets he is signed through 2023 oh wow now the dead money is not that bad once you get into 2022 it's only three million 2023 it's one and a half million so he's certainly a guy that could be cut uh down the line they would actually have pretty sizable cap savings so that that he may not be there through 2023 i'm not saying he's going to be however the vikings certainly committed to him in a long-term way and that is maybe even more concerning to me than the thought of them of him being there for that time because it tells me that they really just like to have Kyle Rudolph as their tight end one. They trust him to be the guy. And we know Kirk Cousins loves him, has a great rapport with him. When they get down to the red zone, he has been the, the go-to guy despite them having two elite wide receivers. Now, one of those elite wide receivers is now gone in Stephon Diggs. Um, Irv Smith, honestly, more of the receiver type guy, I think, than even Rudolph is. But Rudolph's good as well. So we could see a lot of two tight end sets from these guys. I, I believe, Betts, I'm not, I may be mistaken here, but I believe that Irv Smith was my number one tight end pre-landing spot out of this rookie class. And then obviously, oh wow. I believe. And then he got just derped on by getting drafted by the Vikings while Noah Fant went over to the Viking or the uh, Broncos and Hawkinson went to the Lions. I still think there's, there's pretty good upside here for him. For it to really flourish, I think it does have to be the kind of situation where they do get rid of Rudolph in a couple years. And it does hurt a lot that Rudolph is there sucking up his value for the next couple. I think Irv Smith is a guy where if you have a Travis Kelsey maybe type of player or yep. Zach Ertz even who maybe yep. is going a little bit underrated how old these guys are getting they're getting up there into their 30s I might look to get an Irv Smith right now while he's still relatively cheap you go out to the guy who has him and you say listen man Kyle Rudolph is signed through 2023 I don't know what you're doing with Irv Smith but you're not getting any fantasy value out of him for five more years just give him to and me and see if you can get him for <laughs> A very late second, I don't know. Uh, probably it's going to be in that range. 
It's nowhere near a first for sure, and I probably wouldn't pay a first. Right. Could even be an early nope. third, depending on how the guy feels about him. Um, because that Kai Rudolph situation is not pretty. So I think he's the kind of guy I would go out and get if I don't need a tight end right now, but I have a veteran tight end that I want a successor for, and I would stack up an Irv Smith on my bench. Yeah, I think that sums it up perfectly. He's not the player that you would trade for to start in your lineup in 2020. He's a player that if you have someone on your roster who's an established starter, you go out and get Irv Smith now and thank yourself in three years. It's a, it's a waiting it's a game with a guy like play. that. And in Dynasty, it's yeah, it's tough. you got to be patient, but that's the type of player I think Irv Smith is for the foreseeable future. So we'll see what shakes out there in Minnesota. Okada, we finally did it. We got back on track and somehow delivered some fantasy advice in this podcast. I w- was very concerned for the first 10 minutes of the show. <laughs> All sorts of laughing, all sorts of uh, making fun of each other. Uh, but hopefully we provided at least some degree of entertainment tonight, of course, during these weird coronavirus quarantine times and some good football advice. So please, if you like what you're hearing, drop us a rating and review on your podcast mm. app. We do really appreciate it. You can also come hang out with us in the Slack channel and get an extra episode every couple of weeks here in the off season with our Patreon package. Go to Patreon dot com slash red shirts pod and you will become our best friend immediately true okada anything else for the people before we get uh, out just here? as an, uh, an extra note to the patreon by the way the patreon chat has been very enjoyable over the past couple weeks oh it has i been feel so like it's fun. been lining up a little bit with the coronavirus situation and dynasty season really kicking into full gear we have spent uh some time crapping on Dwayne haskins uh, somewhat literally <laughs> have um and talking about a lot of these free agent signings so uh that's a, that's honestly an underrated part of being part of the patreon community there's a lot of fun people in there they're starting up a dynasty league they are sending out calls for other leagues i believe someone in there is starting starting a dynasty salary cap league which i will say yes. that i have wanted so badly to play in one of those for several years and i am trying so hard not to do it because i do not want to add more leads <laughs> i'll tell you what if, if you if we get one more patreon subscriber by today is tuesday so this is going to come out probably on wednesday if we get it by next monday i'm joining right. that league i don't even care i'm joining like the league it. and you're going to do can it with bring me. the new patron in with you um <laughs> yes that'd yeah, be perfect so check that out uh check out all our social media if you have not watched the stream which you would be crazy if you hadn't done that, and you need five hours of something to do in this coronavirus downtime, seriously go check it out on YouTube. You can check out our channel, or you can search Red Shirts AMA Livestream. It should show up. All the guests are uh, time-linked, so you can just hop through and watch who you want if you want. And we'll probably be releasing some highlight clips in the next few days on Twitter slash Instagram, so follow us on the socials. And uh, yeah, lovely show. Lovely show. That was the perfect ending there, Okada. <laughs> Nothing else I could say. Until next time, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com. <laughs>